Well, it is good to be with you again on this great, big, beautiful day. It ain't going to rain outside, is it? But anyway, glad to see y'all, and good to see uh, these new people here, uh, Aaron and Jennifer, and uh, come from Sutner. I believe I got it right. And uh, I thought we had a good group this morning. Appreciate your being here. I want to take you on a trip, worldwide trip. We're going to go a little bit of everywhere. You can't believe the, the fun that you can have serving the Lord. You know, just doing what you're supposed to do and getting a little traveling in. But um, when we met here back in January, I preached, and then right before we left, we all gathered out in front of our nursing home, our motorhome on wheels. And uh, <clears throat> Betty had been nursing me in that thing for about three years now. So um, I just called it assisted living. <laughs> so anyway, I thought it was funny myself. You know, a little humor goes a long way. But um, we did leave here and started a... I was going to have a picture when everybody was pushing the motorhome out of the, the parking lot. Uh, that would have been more impressive. It's, it's all like me, but we're not ready to be put out to pasture yet. So uh, we just keep, uh, you know, like that little energizer bunny, just keep on, uh, keep on running. Well, this is um, something because when you get to go to different places, you meet a lot of new people. And uh, Craig uh, and Christy, Nimi, they had found me on YouTube. And so over a year ago, they came all the way up there, and they was up in Bemidji. And so they came to hear me preach at church, and then they invited me down to Mississippi. So I said, you get me a church to go, and I'll do it. So one of them was Pastor Sean Wilson and uh, Grace Community Bible Church. Name's almost familiar, but I was in Louisiana. And so she worked, and believe it or not, in several, as a secretary for two Methodist churches. And she had tried to witness, but she couldn't get anywhere. So she says, if I get you to come down here, I'll try to get as many as I can to go over to the Baptist church and see if the Baptist church will let you speak. So the Baptist church says, fine. So she got the people to come, and they had about 50 people show up. And we had about 10 or 12 that indicated they would trust Christ as Savior. So uh, they did a good job. Now they got me in another church in Biloxi, Mississippi, and I'll be going there uh, next month. But anyway, the girl you see in this picture is a girl named Jana. Jana came into ranch when she was about 14 years old, trusted Christ as her Savior. It took a while, but she finally trusted the Lord. She'd been on drugs but she came to me one day and says, Yankee, if you get me a, a van, I'll fill it. She did. She came to me later. If you get me a bus, I'll pack the bus. I got her a bus. She packed it. And that's how we started our bus ministry. Next thing you know, we were running 10 to 12 buses on Thursday night. And we really had some good attendance because kids got to where they could pack those buses. And uh, ranch was something that was really going. And uh, it, just, it just grew. But uh, she was celebrating her 50th anniversary of the day that she trusted Christ as, right, as her Savior. And we happened to be there for that, so we celebrated with her. And then, of course, we went to a few other churches, but stopped in to see Jane and Wally. Wally is the, the, the um, I guess you say, the son-in-law of Ray Stanford. He married Jane, and uh, they have camps every year, and uh, I was just down there with them. And Wally, he's also, he's just a couple months behind me, and uh, just like Jane Hayslip here, uh, he's a couple months ahead of me. So we just keep pushing each other. I keep gouging him. He gets gouging me. And I, anyway, you, you just can't believe you finally made 80 years old, you know. So anyway, uh, I, I told him, I says, now that you didn't lost all your hair total, I says, you must use mop and glow. So it was, it was funny. But anyway, it's, it's good to have friends that you've known all these years. And I met him back in 1964. So, you know, that was a couple of years ago. And then whenever I left Florida Bible College, what did we do? We got into a little camper trailer, and we pulled it all the way across the, the west. Uh, we, first of all, we went to uh, uh, Romano State Park in uh, Oklahoma and worked with the Indians there. And then we went over to Chanto, Arizona, where we worked with the, uh, the Havasupai and also the, uh, the Hopi and the Navajo. And then we wound up going up to Ames, Iowa, and then up into Black Duck, and, uh, and up in Minnesota, and then over to Pine Ridge, South Dakota, with the Sioux. 
And I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I just, I just went wherever the door opened up and I could be used and I could preach. And we led a lot of people to the Lord. Now, those people that I went with was Cliff Taylor and uh, Sonny Blue Eye. And now they're both dead. And I don't know why God still left me here, but I'm thankful that I still got a chance to be able to go. But I enjoy it. And I, I'm doing what I was doing those years ago. And um, this is someone that I had met on Facebook, uh, a lady named Holly Garcia. But I didn't know where she lived. And to find out that uh, she lived down there in Arizona. Well, we wanted to go in Arizona, so she uh, wanted to meet, so we met. And I had just led a lady to the Lord right before she got there. And then after we ate, I got two more to trust Christ as Savior. So wherever you go, you, you can just, you know, witness. Don't worry about it. Just sow the seed. See, when the sower went forth to sow, he's, some of it fell on good ground, some upon stony ground. You, you don't know where. You just sow it. You don't know who's got good ground or a hard head. You know, there's rocks up there. You don't know. Just sow the seed. And you never know what's going to grow. But it's wonderful finding there's people who respond. There's a lot of people you won't reach, but there'll be a lot of people you will reach. So just stay at it and keep doing it. While I was in Arizona, we went to what we call the Trailer Park Church. It's no legal name, and it's, there was no offerings taken. There was, there was no pews to sit on. It was just out there under a brush arbor. And so they just met there, and only a few of them came actually from a trailer park. But that's how it got started. And two of the guys that I had led to the Lord years ago, about 50 years ago, every, every summer they go down there, and they, what they do is they work in a trailer park. So I preached there every Sunday, and a couple others at a couple other places there. But some of these people are some of the people that I, oh, way over here on this left here, right standing right beside me, is Clint Smith and his wife. I led Clint to the Lord in about 1969, 60, uh, yeah, 69. And... Um, also his mother and his uh, sister. But some of these are people that I've led to the Lord and just watching them grow over the years. See, just, just win them. And I would say that I'd rather people go to heaven in diapers than not at all. It's amazing how God comes along with somebody and gets a hold of them and raises them. I never raised any of these kids. I never raised them. Most of them, I never got them into my church or anything like that. But there are people that I led to the Lord and they remember. So it's, it's worth it. Of course, you know, we stopped in to see Tom Kakuza. He has a great work. If you ever get a chance to go to Minnesota on your way to somewhere, <laughs> you're going to have to go there on purpose, I'm afraid, because he's way up there on the, in Minnesota, but he's built a great work, great church, doing a super job, and uh, he's a great defender of the faith. So as we made our move around the country, we stopped in and we get to see some of these people that we've known for so long. And then... Jim Musarino, uh, we've come to know them. Uh, they, they, they met me years ago, probably, I don't know, five or ten years before I ever actually met him. He heard me on the radio one time in Indiana. And he, was, he had a church there, and he would finish preaching, and he was driving down the, the, through Indiana, and uh, he's listening to the radio. And he told his wife, he says, honey, listen, listen to the guy, he's, he's clear. And she says, and his wife says, Hey, I bet you he's going to do the wallet illustration. You watch. And then I said, let this hand represent you and me. And they're listening on radio. And I was preaching at the Indianapolis Baptist Temple, Greg Dixon, when he was having his 35th anniversary. And they were listening to it on radio. And then years later, I met him at uh, the Grace Conference. And uh, we became good friends. And I, uh, I believe he came down here for the last missions conference. I don't think so. He's a good guy, doing a great job. Sometimes you think we're the only ones doing the job. No, we're not. There's a lot of good people out there doing their best, clearing the gospel, taking a stand, preaching, winning souls. And so this is where Craig had me in, I guess you could Jim Musarino. Uh, we went fishing. Can you believe as many times I've wanted to go fishing, I've never caught my limit, never on anything. And I went three different days, three different guides, None of them I had to pay for. Three different guides for three different kinds of fish and got my limit on all three of them. So that's the first time I've ever done it. So I can't say anymore I'm not a fisher. I is a fisherman. So, and the guy that's standing right beside me holding the baby, the other two were cleaning the fish that we had just caught. 
And so while they were doing that, I went and talked to him. And he trusted Christ as Savior. So Craig was all excited about that. So that's why he's smiling so big and pretty. So, and then this is a young guy that's up there in Taganite, Minnesota. A couple of years ago, I'm sitting in a camp. And he comes in, big guy. Never met him before. And he sits down and across from me. He looks at me and he says, you know, you're my grandfather. I said, what? He says, you're my grandfather. He says, you led the guy to the Lord that led me to the Lord. And now he's pastoring the church. And on a Wednesday night in the middle of the boonies, nowhere. I mean, nobody's there. But they had about almost 60 people there on a Wednesday night. It was unreal. And, uh, but he loves the Lord. He's clear as a bell. And he's also on YouTube and all that. What I have found out that's an advantage. See, even when I was pastor here, and we had the YouTube, and, you know, we're reaching out through the streaming and all that. But every church that I went to, all over, well, all of them on YouTube, too. And they're also streaming on Facebook, too. So, well, I'm in this church, that church, and they're all doing it. So, you're actually, you've got a possibility of reaching the whole country because somebody's listening to somebody somewhere. And you never know how many people. So you broaden your, your expectations of being able to sow more seeds to more people. So it was interesting being with him. And this is the biggest sign that I've ever seen. This was on a big old flatbed truck. And it has the same thing on both sides. Now the guy that's on there with me, I led him to the Lord uh, years ago. But it was interesting. And then we went by to see a guy <clears throat> that had me come to his church, Pastor Dan Rehoff. He also, he graduated from the Dayspring Bible College that was started by um, Dr. Scudder. And um, they turned out some pretty good uh, preacher boys. But anyway, they got a place for me to hook up and uh, we, we can park there. And they have a beautiful church. I mean, a big church, huge. And so he had me speaking in a Christian school. And I was up there last year for the graduation. So I got a chance to preach in that too. And um, what's nice is, is Betty's willingness to go and travel and live in a motorhome for, you know, seven, eight months. Uh, that's, that's a blessing. You realize what it would be if I had to beg her all the time and, and whine and whine and, you know, fuss and fight. I'm glad that we don't have to do none of that stuff. I, I said, we're going to go. She jumped in the car and she's ready to move. <laughs> so uh, if, if, if something ever happens to her, uh, probably I'll be dead in a week because I have no clue how to take care of myself. I know how to... I'm real close to making, being able to make water. I mean, coffee. And uh, so that, uh, I'm really working on this. But anyway, this is the new Belmont Bible Church, Pastor Mark Moore. And um, he went here and started this church. And uh, they had to raise about five or six million dollars to dig at this church. And uh, so I was there for their, uh, not the big opening, but this last year. I was up there a couple months ago. And um, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And so I wrote this little statement. I said it this morning. The Lord is always looking to bestow his blessings on those who want to make him look good. Did you see? God will bless you if you want to live to make God look good. And that's living by faith, taking the step. I uh, got out on a limb. That's <laughs> where the fruit is. Yes, there's always somebody who wants to cut off the limb, but you, that's where the fruit is. Do what it takes to get the job done. And it makes life a lot more exciting than to sitting around waiting on God to do something for you. you know, you'd be willing to go. Take advantage of open doors that he does give. Do what you can with what you got where you are. And it was a privilege always to speak at the Quentin Road Baptist Church up there in Lake Zurich. And so it's a huge ministry also. And they have one of the largest daycare centers in the world. And this is where um, our little brother over here come from. And uh, you know, right now I can't even think of your name. That's why I can't even think of Monroe either. But yeah, Monroe. And uh, let's see, we're fortunate. See, Monroe left and goes up there and then they keep her. And we sent Rachel up there and they, they kept her. So we don't see no more girls up there. Unless they also promise that they will come back with their husband and their children. So, glad to have you. Appreciate it. So, 
we always get a chance to have those open doors. And their radio broadcasts, I believe they're on about 500 stations. And of course, it's nationwide, maybe international as far as the TV goes. I don't, I don't really don't know. They've got a huge ministry. God has blessed them. And this is a guy, Pastor Billy and Chris Kaminsky. I met them up there, and uh, he asked me if I would come by, and I said, sure. He was having his first anniversary. Not a fir- yeah, first anniversary. I was up there for it, and uh, it was his largest attendance he ever had. He had 23, and he was all excited about that, 23. And that's counting the, the dogs that walked across the parking lot, two birds that flew over. And, uh, but this year when I went to I says, we've got to have another record. So we had 39. So he was really excited. And now he's got him a storefront and doing good. And when I was in um, Colorado, Greg Steer had called me up and asked me if I would come up there to Estes Park. So I went to Estes Park, and he had about 250 um, people that were up there. And uh, they came from uh, 35 states and five countries. And he was teaching leaders on, you know, the wall illustration and all that. And he wanted me to come up there. So I did. And I met this person that's standing up beside me. And he asked me, he says, will you come to Indiana? And I says, well, as a guy that's going to have me preach there. And I told him when. So they all showed up at the church on that Sunday morning at Billy Kaminsky's church. So that was neat. And while I was in Estes Park, I had another group that came up to me, and they wanted to take some pictures and all. And it says, we're from California. Can you come to California? I said, sure, just let me know next year. And then another group, about 25 or 30, came up. And uh, they were all from this group that uh, Greg had up there. And so they said, we're from Austin, Texas. Can you come to Austin, Texas? I said, yeah, I might come through there again next year. I said, just let me know. I plan on coming through it. So I love the opportunities that it gives you. And if you can do them while you're still young, don't it make life more exciting? I love talking to teenagers more than I do even adults. I love, I, for some reason, I love talking to teenagers. They're so easy to talk to. I can tell jokes, and most of them will get it. I tell jokes with adults, and they're going Teenagers, even if they don't get it, will laugh. Anyway, we're moving right along. Anyway, we went to... Um, Ohio and a few other places, but let me read this little statement to you because I love the statement. I travel to create flames in the wind by continuously setting souls on fire with the power of the gospel. May the fire of God's love so burn within us who believe that we pursue the loss, whatever the cost may be. And it's been a great honor to speak at the annual Grace Conference. And for many years I've done that. And so God has opened up the door and allowed me to speak, then I've been there and I've done it. But I want to just mention this one little statement first. When we talk about we pursue the loss, whatever the cost, did you know that if I want to get in that motor home and drive to a certain place, did you know that not everything is, is simple? It seems like, man, that's just a nice, beautiful seven, eight-month vacation. Yeah. Let me tell you some of the problems that we have. I have broke, we have broke down in, I think, every state something. Something always seems to happen. But that's the price that you have to be willing to pay to do what you're going to do. And because a lot of people don't want the problems. They don't want the heartache. They don't want the headaches. They're afraid of the problem being greater than their faith. And they don't want to be revealed of how weak they may be. How much lack of faith they may have. So they'd rather not do anything and play it safe. I think somebody like Moses prayed like that one time when things weren't going too good. He didn't want the people to see how wicked and how discouraged he really was. He said, God, just let me die. Because I don't want people to see what I'm like. Because, you know, you can get down and discouraged, serve the Lord, even right here at Calvary Community Church, doing the right thing. And yet, day by day, things that happen, some things can get very boring you can lose your vision about why you're doing what you're doing. You get tired. You get weary. But so you've got to learn how to think the way that you're supposed to think. So when we left the Grace Conference, I got on a plane, went to Israel. Betty came down to Georgia. And when we got to, to New York, I mean to uh, Washington, I had to fly there from Chicago. And everything's going along fine. 
We all get on the plane, about 600 on the plane. We're out there taxiing, you know. And they decided to come back in. They said, the flight's been canceled. And we sat there for the next two or three days. First night, we all spread out all over the airport. It was on the national news. We watched it. And uh, right where we were and some of the people that we were in line with, they've made TV. In that little episode, I had a chance to sit down with this man and this woman that was going on the trip. And whenever I talked to them, he trusted Christ as Savior, and he just cried. He was so glad. Later on, when we were over there in Israel, and I was doing the communion service in the garden, I asked, does anybody would like to give a testimony about what is the most interesting, exciting moment of your trip to Israel? And he started crying. He says, the most important thing that happened to me on this whole trip was those days that we spent at the airport because of the shutdown. And he says, and Yankee explained the gospel to me. And then he cried. And then his wife cried. And a few more people started crying. It was a good communion service. But in something that the most important thing that he got from the whole trip was that he trusted the Lord. That, that was so neat. The, the little guy between us is a little Jew. He asked to have this picture taken. He says, I just want y'all to be able to tell people that you know a little Jew. Well, there's this little Jew that's over there. And his name is Boaz. Who wouldn't want to go on a trip with Boaz? But it was a good trip. And so we had a good bunch. It was with uh, Bill Bunkley's group. And um, he had me go. If I had to pay, I wouldn't be able to go. I wouldn't do it. I've been about nine times. I don't need to go just to see for myself. But if I can go and preach, <laughs> I'm going. And if it works out. So they want me to go because well, he likes the way that I teach the Bible and the way I give the gospel. And so um, he's on every day, I think, from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock. My radio broadcast follows right after his. And um, one of the greatest things here in being in Israel is if you look at the Temple Mount, one of the greatest prophecies that nobody ever brings out, <laughs> I did on the trip. I says, the temple is gone. The Bible states that whenever they go back and rebuild the temple, until the Messiah, the prince, shall come and he'll be cut off, and then the temple will be destroyed again. Well, the temple isn't there, but it was there when Christ was there. So if it's gone... It means that the Messiah had to have already come. I led a whole bunch of Jewish people to the Lord one day down at the uh, University of Miami. Five of them were sitting there. And when I brought that up, a couple of them started crying because they said, you're talking about Jesus Christ. I said, I never mentioned his name. But that, 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 that's who it is. And all five of them trusted Christ as Savior. It was, it was awesome. I just wish it had been on video. But we didn't have all these cell phones and stuff back then. This is where you really look down over this hill behind me up there. There's where the old Jericho Road is. It's not on the paved highway. It goes down between the crevices of the mountain. And uh, remember there's a song that they used to sing. On the Jericho Road, there's room for just two. No more and no less, just Jesus and you. Well, this is where we believe these things happen with the... Good Samaritan. And then I have right now probably close to a hundred people that I have baptized in the River Jordan. And um, it's interesting because they got a lot of little minnows in the water. These minnows, they come and nibble at your feet. And some of these ladies, they go nuts because there's something like, something's eating my foot. <laughs> I said, it's just minnows. Don't pay them any attention. They don't eat much. And so they would do It's fun watching. And uh, kind of like whenever I used to baptize over there, uh, Asaph. I said, now, don't worry about it. His daughter is watching for the alligators. I said that one day in church before we were going to have the baptism. I think three people backed out. They didn't do it. They wouldn't go. But three of them, I believe, are the ones that I had led to the Lord on the trip. And so they wanted to be baptized. So I thought that was great. But this is Gregory Shirk. And um, 
He's also had taken classes. I believe he's taking classes here at the college. Um, I went by to see him one day, and uh, I said, how long have you been interim pastor? He says, for a year and a half. I said, a year and a half. I said, how come they can't get it? Nobody wants to take the job. I said, well, why don't you qualify? I don't want you to become the pastor. He says, I don't know what to do. I said, well, I got to fly to Denver, Colorado. And while I'm going, I said, you just need to get the deacons together and have them nominate you to be the pastor. Take it to the congregation and let them vote on you. He says, yeah, but I'm, I'm not ordained. I said, Jesus probably wasn't either. <laughs> I says, Paul wasn't. None of us. I says, just, just do it. And he did it. I came back. By the time I got back, in one week, he's the pastor. And now he's been the pastor since. And he just watches my videos and takes the classes and then teaches what he's been taught. That's what they're supposed to do. And I've got a number of preachers that are watching my online videos and are teaching them, and a lot of them are getting straightened out on the clarity of the gospel. I think it's great. Really do. And um, this guy here, his name is Bob Dean. When I went in the Indian camps, which Quentin Blue Eye and uh, Cliff Taylor, back in 1968, we kept talking to Sonny Blue Eye about he needed to take some classes at Florida Bible College. Well, after I'd gone to Denver and so forth, he wound up going to Florida Bible College. But when he went, he took this kid. He was only about 18 years old. And Sonny had led him to the Lord. So he goes to Florida Bible College, and he was there for three, three and a half years. But he didn't get quite graduated. We're hoping that something can be worked out with him. But they started a church up there on the Tonawana Indian Reservation with the Seneca Indian Nation. So whenever... They got that church going. Then Sunday Blue, I died. They flew me up there, and I did his funeral. And then he started another church off the reservation. So this one kid, who was 18 years old, led to the Lord by another Indian guy that we encouraged to go to Bible college. Now he's got two churches, and they're both doing great. And so when I was up there, they had the stage set outside. And whenever I go up there now for the last three years... I've had the services outside, and uh, we've had a bunch of people, up to sometimes 20, 30 people trust Christ as Savior, and so it's, it's great, and he's just as clear on the gospel as we are. In other words, he's just like a, another Hank Lindstrom or Wally Morello, because there's, there's some guys around that are still doing the job, but most people don't know who they are because they're not out there somewhere, you know, tooting their own horn. That's one of the reasons I like to do a newsletter and let people know Hey, we're not alone in this. There's a lot of people out there that know the Lord and love the Lord and are trying to do their best to get the gospel out. Now, this next year, he wants me to come at, Christmas, at Easter time. That's in the end of March. There's snow there. He says, I want you to come up here, and if we have to fly you up here, but I want you to be here at Easter. And then you'll have three services. One will be the morning service, you know, early in the morning, sunrise service. And it's freezing up there, and there could be ice and snow, and then they'll speak in both of the churches. I said, you want me to do that? I said, yeah, yeah, put me down. I'll be here. Lord willing, if I can, I'll do it. So I'm looking forward to it. It means i got to change my route of how I'm going to go this coming year. So I don't know really where I'm going to go, but every place that I've been said that I can come back, they want me to come back again, so this will be interesting. Uh, I bet he wants to go up to Canada. I don't know about crossing the border. I just don't know. Anyway, I spoke for Greg Dixon when I came back. Pastor Matt Roller had me come up there. And while I was out talking to him, we went to get something to eat. And he has a, a big church also right there in Indianapolis. And uh, so we went out to eat. And I found out this guy, when he was just the youth director, as the youth director... He went to the uh, Dare to Share meetings. And so he knows about Greg Steer and about the Dare to Share. And uh, he was very influenced and greatly uh, loved what Greg Steer is doing. So I think it's interesting that uh, some of these people that I've met, this because of the, you know, the radio or the, 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 the Internet or somebody that's, you know, YouTube. But you get a chance to meet some people. And 
I like encouraging people. There's some preachers that are sometimes very down and discouraged. And I want them to see not only how I give the gospel, but how I draw the net. Because see, a lot of people, don't, they don't know how to draw the net. You've got you to get the fish into the boat. Not just hook them, but you've got to get them in the boat. You want them to trust Christ as their Savior. And a lot of people are out, and they give the gospel, and they're clear on the gospel, but they never ask people to trust the Lord because, well, that's in the flesh. It is not in the flesh. It's um, persuading people to trust the Lord. And how are you going to know if you let anybody to the Lord? You don't ask them. So how do you know how many people trust the Lord? Well, I ask them. If anybody lied, they did it, not me. If I said 10 people said they trust the Lord this morning. Oh, I doubt that really. That many. Wait a minute. You can call all them people liars? You can if you want to. But how do you know they didn't trust the Lord? I asked them if they trust the Lord. They said, yes, they did. So why can't you believe them? But anyway, that's another sermon for down the road. And then just last week, I went to a place in Kentucky. This guy calls me up. Well, I met him at the Grace Conference, but when he walked in, I was over there sitting down in the lobby at the uh, Quentin Road Bible Church. And he walked in, and he looked over at me, and he recognized me from, from YouTube. And he gave a big old smile, and he came walking right over there to me. And so we got a chance to sit down and talk. And he says, I, I'm just getting started in my church. He says, um, we're not a big church. He said, but could you come and preach? I says, well, I'm going to be coming through this area and come through, through here, and I can come down. I can go over there. Sure, I can do it. So I put his name down. I said, I'll be there. So anyway, it worked out. And when I got there, his, um, his dad had a big shop. And so they had a place for me to pull my motorhome in and plug in. So he had fixed a, a plug-in for my motorhome. Oh, I like that when they have a plug. I've already got to plug it in. So we plugged it in and... I thought, oh, my stars. Could we have just blown up all the electrical wiring in my motorhome? Nothing would come on. Nothing would come on. No lights. No microwave. No air condition. No nothing. Now, isn't it wonderful serving the Lord? But you're still going to have problems. Remember, Satan hindered us. But it didn't stop us. just hinders you a little bit. Makes you do a little bit when you just want to, you're tired, you just want to rest and do nothing. And then you've got to do a whole bunch of stuff, and you can't stop, you can't rest. You've got to get certain, certain things done. So they got a hold of a guy, he came out there, and he worked on a little bit, and uh, he figured out what was wrong, and uh, flipped a little switch, and blah, 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 everything worked. So we could sit there and worry, and worry, and worry. Be afraid of what's going to happen down the road, because I've had this happen before where I had all the power shot out, where we had to get an electrician to come out and cost a couple thousand dollars. I mean, just there's no end to that stuff. There's always something that seems to happen. But anyway, I went there, and on that Sunday morning, he had the, they had the largest, it was a, it's an old church, but he was the new pastor. And they had over, uh, they had 110 people there on that Sunday morning. We had in the country. We had in the country, perfect place for liquor stills and things like that, you know. And uh, his name is pa- Pastor Bobby Noel. He's supposed to be taking some classes, but I don't know if he is yet. He's going to sign up for it. But there's another couple in the church that they're also wanting to take some classes, and I hope they do. But anyway, I said, can I get a picture of all of y'all? So they all lined up in front of the church, and we got a picture. And this is the most they've had in that church. He says he can never remember because it's a little bitty white church. And I was totally surprised when this little country church was packed last Sunday morning. There were three that trusted the Lord in this morning service and three in the evening service. Because that evening they were going to have a, a thing for the teenagers. And they were all going to go, they had a swimming pool, they are going to have hot dogs and things like that, you know. And so they asked me if I, so I got my guitar out and I played, I still remember a few songs. And I can still remember, you know, how to play a few of them. And so I did that, played the harmonica for them, had fun with the little kids. And then I gave a gospel and had three more trust the Lord. So I, I, they want me to come back. I'd love to come back. See, even when you read the Bible, you'll find that, that the apostle Paul had gone and started churches and influenced people, one, and then he'd go back around and see how they're doing. It says strengthening the brethren. So that's what I, I enjoy doing. Then we stopped up there to see Eddie and 
the kids. So we decided we're all going to go play a game of golf. And that was the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. When you have a couple that have never hit the golf ball like before, it can drive you up a wall. But believe it or not, they had fun. And so my granddaughter, she just had her birthday. She's now 19 years old. And so for her birthday, they took a lot and played nine holes of golf. I don't know how it went. I hope that it went pretty good. But then there's a few little miscellaneous things I like to mention also tonight. In the advancement of the gospel. In Philippians in chapter 1, he says, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have happened out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. You see, there's things that we do and we plan. We plan a ranch meeting. We plan a wana. We plan a lot of things. Uh, outings of whatever you want to do. And so we plan it. And we work at it. And we want to present the gospel so that people can trust Christ as Savior. But there's also things that God will allow to happen in your life for the furtherance of the gospel. You didn't plan and sometimes these, these things that we didn't plan that happens to us that we can't control. We didn't ask for, but we did say, Lord, you're free to use me any way you want. So God should be able to allow things to happen in our life to get us to a certain place or to reach a certain person that we may never get a chance to hear the gospel if it didn't happen. And so I believe it. He says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. In other words, I'm in jail but that's okay, because I've witnessed to a lot of the guards, and next thing you know, the gospel is spread. And he goes on and says a lot of things. And he said, and many in the gospel, many brethren in the Lord, were in confidence because of what, if I can do what I'm doing, why can't they do what they should do? See, we encourage one another, or we discourage one another. You will encourage people to be faithful if you're faithful. If you're faithful to Sunday school, you'd be surprised how it can cause other people to want to be faithful. You're discouraging others because you're not faithful. And you won't come when, just when it's convenient. You just teach other people to do whatever's convenient. But that's not discipline. It's not faithfulness. Faithfulness means you can count on that person. Learn to be disciplined because the day will come when it will be so great when you stand before the Lord and, says, and God says, you were faithful. You were faithful. You did what you could. A lot of times, Christians say, we just do whatever we want when we want to do it. What's the difference in the people back in Judges when they did that which was right in their own eyes? When believers today are only doing what they want to do in their own eyes. And they're not thinking about the consequences or the impact that we can have in other people's lives. So that is important. Now, he says, many of the brethren of the Lord waxing confident and much more bold. And that's what you're trying to do, influencing other people to do the same thing that you're doing. You ought to be able to look at people, those who know the Lord, and say, follow me. I'll be an example. Everybody should be an example of the believer, in word and in deed. And believe it or not, there's a verse in the Bible that says that. Now, we did stop in Colorado and met my grandson. This is my grandson, David, my boy. He was murdered when he was 28 years old. Then my grandson, who was only about two or three. Well, I hadn't seen him for a long time. Almost 15 years. And one day I was out there in Colorado, and I was told that my grandson was in Colorado, in Denver. And I said, I'd love to see him. So a guy told me where he was at. I called him up, and I was going to go meet him before I caught the plane to leave. And when I arrived got out of the car because I had rent a car. And I got out about a half a block before I got to his place. And I got out and I started walking down the sidewalk. And I saw a kid come out of the door and he started walking toward me. He had never met me. I don't remember when he was about two years old. And I'm, I'm looking at this kid. And I didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. I just walked toward him and he was walking toward me. He got right up to me. We didn't say a word. Except he had a little Robbie smile on his face. And I did too. And I walked right up to him. And we're face to face about this far away. And I says, when I was 18 years old, I was six foot tall. I was, how tall are you? He says, I'm six foot. 
I says, I was 162 pounds. How much you weigh? He says, 162 pounds. I says, I'm hungry. Can we go get something to eat? He says, yeah. But I told him, I said, stand still. Don't you move. And I went around him, and I looked him up and down. I went all the way around him. He just stood there. So we went and get something to eat. And you won't believe it. It's such a crazy story. But now he has a son who's about 15 or 16 years old, and I've never seen him. One of these days, some kid's going to walk up to me and says, are you my granddad? That'd be my great-granddad. One of these days. That's what makes life exciting. Just get busy doing what you're supposed to do, and you'll be surprised all the little things that God will give you along the way. Little surprises here and there. This blonde here, her name is Jennifer Maniscalco. I led her to the Lord. And they're in the ministry out there. And so these are some of the faithful kids that I led to the Lord so many years ago. And it's such a joy to see them. And we stayed with them for a while. And our first night in Denver snowed. Now look at all that snow. I, just, I didn't have to drive in it because it was just after we got there. And we stayed with Rick Long. And Rick Long has got him a church. And they, they just bought him a school. They bought a school. And they had to raise up over $6 million. And they're starting off this year with 265 students, I believe it was, 95 freshmen. And um, they got about 13, 14 acres right along I-70. Beautiful setup. Because, see, he graduated from my Christian school. His wife, I led her to the Lord. And it's wonderful all these years later to see them duplicating it, doing it again. So those years weren't wasted. You see, you just start things. See how God's going to work it out down the road. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. Now, this is Shelly. Her name is Shelly Long. You ever heard somebody named Shelly Long? This is the real Shelly Long right here. And she was celebrating her 57th birthday. So this lady calls me up on the phone. And she says, I got to talk to you. I couldn't hardly understand what she was saying because she had a, a slang, but I couldn't see her, so I didn't know what she was like. She said, I got to see you. I met you 30 years ago. I got to see you. So she came over to the Maniscalco's home, and when she walked in with her husband, I could almost recognize him a little bit. I said, didn't you sing in the choir? He said, yes. I said, you sung in one of our Christmas cantatas? He said, yes, but I didn't know his wife. And she looked at me, and she got tears in her eyes. She says, I had to come by. I had to come and see you. So she sat down, and I sat down. She says, I came to your church 30 years ago. And she says, I am Buddhist. I listened to you, and I never understood anything you said. I didn't understand nothing you said. But when you pulled the wallet out, I understood everything you said. Up to that point, I didn't understand anything. But when you pulled out and did that wallet thing, I understood. I trusted Christ as my Savior. So how are you supposed to win Buddhists to the Lord? Gospel. The gospel. I didn't have to go study their religion. I didn't have to study all that. I didn't have to learn to speak another language. Hey, they come in here. Just be clear on the gospel. And so I said, i got to have a picture of you. And so it was a, a great story. This church right here, that's the church that I built when I was in Colorado. I drew up the plans. <laughs> My brother-in-law and us, we laid the concrete, put up the rafters, painted sheetrock. And now that place is worth almost $15 million. Let's think about that. It's 10 and a half acres, beautiful piece of land. And now it's almost in the heart of Arvada. And... Uh, now, some other people, they, they own it, but then another church was in there after us that was also good and clear on the gospel. And Rick Long and Greg Steer, uh, they were also in here after I had left. So it was interesting. Uh, the, the pastor that took over after me was uh, Quentin Blue Eye, the Indian. And so it was good just to go, and I got some precious memories. But how God opened up doors, and I thought, Lord, five more years, and this whole place would have been paid for. But the economy changed. People pulled the kids out of the school. And next thing you know, I wasn't able to keep it. Financially, I couldn't do it. And I had told the people, any time we can't pay it, we sell it. 
I said, I'm not going into debt. When you can't sell it. And I hated to do it, but I had to do it. But that wasn't the end of the ministry. We only use the buildings to build people. I don't use people to build me something. We want people to come to church. We want to build strong people. That's why you need a building. But the building is not our goal. It's that it helps us to reach a goal. If you keep that in mind, things are fine. I never consider like, this is mine. This is the Lord's. I'm just privileged to be here for a short period of time. And everything that we do, we're temporary. Nothing belongs to us. God can give you a ministry, but it's how you minister and what you do for the Lord. That's what counts. God wants to use us. But while you're traveling on the road, some things will happen. I'm driving down the highway about 70 miles an hour on the other side of Cheyenne, Wyoming. All of a sudden, Betty, well, the wind's blowing about 40 miles an hour, and things are shaking in the motorhomes, you know, and it's, uh, it can be moving that little motorhome all over the place. And all of a sudden, Betty hollers, Yankee! And I looked over at her, and the awning was coming down. The awning, that, you know, 20-foot awning is coming down on the side of the motorhome because the wind is shaking it, and it's just... So Betty... God bless her. She opened the door, got a hold of the part of the, the tarp, you know, and was holding on to it. And I thought, that door has opened up before. If that thing goes open, I bet he's gone. She's, I'll fly away, oh glory. But anyway, she was holding on to it. And so we finally stopped, and I got, put it in there, closed the door so it'd hold it. There's always something happens. So that night, when we finally got to a RV park, called up this guy. On the weekend, he came out and he fixed it. But while he was working on it, and I'm following him around, you know. And I said, you know where you're going to go when you die? <laughs> he didn't know. But I finally I led him to the Lord. He got it fixed, tied the thing up there and so forth so it wouldn't come back down. And I said, how much do I owe you? He says, he says I said, is $100 enough? He didn't even want to take the $100. I says, sir, I says, you came all the way out here. And you've been working here for a couple hours. I says, it's, it's worth a lot more than that. He says, no. He says, what you told me was worth a lot. Now, you think there's a possibility that there's a God in heaven says, here's this guy and here's Yankee. That if we crossed our paths, that I might give the gospel to him. Did you know that God, I believe, can work like that? We call it the providence of God. That God can move and do those things. Here was my new idea for a motorhome. I saw this thing and I said, Betty said, Yankee, look at that motorcycle. So I went over there to see the motorcycle. My son had just gotten him a motorcycle, my grandson. I thought, well, maybe God's calling. Well, listen, I thought, this one has trainer wheels on it. And so I mentioned to Betty, she says, when I'm dead, you can get one. Can you see me when I finally get 95, I get to get me a motor home. <laughs> I'll have to have an escalator to move me up to it. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't get it. She, she wouldn't let me have it. But I thought it was cute anyway. She wouldn't even get on the back of the motorcycle. I said, how come you don't get on? She says, I can't get on that thing. Anyway, these are some of the people that we met up there at the Grace Conference. And it's joy to go up there and preach. But this is when Jesse brought some of these people up there. And we had a good time just to seeing them and meeting them. And knowing that they were getting charged up and challenged. You know, reading one of them and see something like that, they catch a vision. They come back and want to do something. You know, like this year, a big old rooster. He kind of walks around and, you know, strutting around because he got his hands all laying those eggs, you know. And so he just thought, you know, I am some rooster. He decided to walk down the road and see what they're doing down at the next farmhouse. He walked in there, and lo and behold, he saw some of those, you know, those big old emu eggs. I mean, they're huge. He couldn't believe it. He come running back. He says, look, ladies, I know y'all are doing a good job, but you ought to see what they're doing down the road. Sometimes it's good just to see what somebody else is doing. You think... I can maybe improve a little bit. There's something else I can do. Because we should always strive to be doing the best that we can and working at it. And anyway, 
I assure you that those faces are the joy of the Lord faces. And um, those four on the left, I think y'all probably know who they are. If you, if you know Michael Brown and Matt Brown and their wives, Nicole and Kim, they are, they are a bunch of the most excited, fired up individuals I've met in a long time. And when you get them together, there's no stopping them. And uh, don't worry about saying anything because they'll say it for you. But um, they all, because of the YouTube ministry. You can believe it, because of the YouTube ministry. And then I had to see somebody up here because I hadn't, I hadn't seen that little rascal. And this was showtime for these two babies. And I don't know if you noticed, did you see the two halos above my head? You know, that's the first thing I noticed. I didn't even see the, the kids. I just saw those two halos above my head. Don't, do you think it has a meaning to it somewhere? Must be something that is in there. But anyway, it's good to see these two ladies and uh, those two little children. And I don't think there's much difference in their age. They're right close together. How much on that there, uh, Jesse? Uh, two days. Two days. Ain't that something? So anyway, that was a lot of fun. I have a brother. His name is Little Man. Little Man was good running our bus routes. And he would always say something that I said, oh, man, I wish you wouldn't say that. We had a, a bunch of kids on our one bus that we brought in, and they were some wild kids. And one day, the one kid let down one of the windows in the back of the bus and he looked out there and he saw my, bro- uh, my, uh, my brother's wife, Cheryl, and he opened the window and he spit on her. Well, if you don't know little man, it's probably a good thing. But little man went on that bus. He was going to draw blood. He was going to send that kid to La La Land. And I had to stop him. I said, man, you can't do that. Oh, he was going to get the kid. But little man, would, he'd, just, he'd just lose it for a little bit because he know. You ain't doing that to my wife. He's a kid. And then one day he was driving the bus all the way from Colorado. He got down here in the Sunshine Park Expressway. He had this one girl, one girl, that kept always being late. And you can only go as fast as your slowest person on any trip. And he told us, you do it one more time, I'm going to leave you. You think, well, she got the message. No, she didn't get the message. She was late coming out of one of those places they have on the turnpike. Little man got in there and he says, oh, she's not here. Everybody says, here. Okay, we're leaving her. And then another kid says, well, you can't leave her here by herself. If she's not going, I'm not going. Little man says, get off. Started up that bus and he drove another 200 miles or so down to Hollywood, Florida. And you say, well, he's going to go back and get it, right? No, he didn't. He left them there. They had to call down to the college and get somebody to come all the way up there to get them to come. We never had another problem with them. So whenever a little man says, this bus is not going to move until y'all sit down and shut up, I saw that bus and I thought about my brother. And I said, I've got to take a picture of this bus. Because that's, that must have been one of those buses that my brother had. This is, but anyway, he's in a wheelchair now. Been in there for about three, four years now. And uh, I love my brother because he, he worked with me for so long and did such a wonderful job. You see, the um, thing that we should remember is this. In the book of Daniel, it says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness. Not just one. Not just two. He said, but many. Whatever many is. It's almost like we are the one that determine whether it's going to be many or not. I don't know. Sow the seeds. But they're going to be as the stars of heaven. Stars forever and ever. And so I don't know how all that's going to work out, but I do believe that the more people you win to Christ, the more is going to be in heaven, and the brighter you're going to shine for all eternity. And so just do it. Now, in John chapter 15, he says, Herein is my Father glorified, 
that you bear much fruit. Many people. So I just want to glorify the Lord. And anything just sitting in church, twirling their thumbs and looking holy. Oh, this is just glorifying the Lord. And they never witness to anybody. Not praying for people to get saved. They won't support missions. They don't give faithfully. If they don't do the things they're supposed to do that God says to do, you're not glorifying God. It's a, it's a deception. Especially when you can do something and you don't. Now, sometimes you might get to the place where you can't do anything. Well, God knows that. And you know I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who can do something should do something. And we should be found serving the Lord. So the question is, is what are you doing? I did not know at the time that I made up my mind I'm going to Bible college. I did not know all that was going to happen after that. Because I was hindered over and over and over again. Where another person probably would have just said, this isn't for me. God has not opened the doors. God's not going to bless. I'm not going to make it. And turn around and maybe go back home. But I had a wife and two children. And no job. I ran out of money in North California, in Orlando, Florida. Because I didn't have enough money to get to, down to college. I didn't have a job waiting on me. But I did it anyway. And I had to see God open up doors. When my two kids got sick at the same time and wound up in the hospital and I had no hospitalization, I complained to God because I didn't see how God's going to get me out of this. And I went out the night before I was to go get my kids out of the hospital because they said the kids are well. And after two weeks, the hospital bill was over $1,000 and I didn't have any money. No hospitalization. And I didn't want to go down there because I knew that I was going to be ashamed for them to know that I'm serving the God that created the heavens and the earth and my God has not come through. That God did not open up the door. God did not meet my needs. So I went out that night before I was to go pick up the kids. I was thinking, how can I get them to keep the kids until I can get some money? But I put my hands on the clothesline and I cried that night. Big old crocodile tears. And I complained and I told God, I says, God, you're on the verge of ruining your testimony because I've told people that I trust you and that I love you and that you're going to watch over me and you're going to lead me and guide me and protect. And I says, and you're not doing it. I says, everything seems to fall apart. Nothing seems to work right. And so I was very disappointed. And I had a few choice words with God that I, I resent that I ever said them. I wish I hadn't have. But the next morning I had to go down there and walk into that office. And when as soon as I walked in there, he says, you go to that Bible college, don't you? I thought, who told him? I didn't know he knew it. But he knew it somehow. He says, um, I know you've got a couple kids here and got a big hospital bill. He says, but um, I'll tell you what we would need. More than money. We, we need blood. I thought he wants my blood. He says, if you can get those students down at the college to come and donate some blood, we'll knock off some money off of your school bill. I said, you'll do that? He says, yes, we will. I says, can I use your phone? I got his phone. I called up Ray Stanford. He was just getting ready to go into chapel. I says, Ray, I'm down here at the hospital. They got my kids. They'll let me have them if I can pay off the, the hospital bill of $1,000 with students coming down to, to donate some blood. I says, you think you can mention it to the kids? He says, consider it done. I told the guy, he says, he'll do it. Those kids came down there and paid off my school bill. See, God was already working behind us. I wish I could have been patient just one more day. Why couldn't I have just shut up and not said all those things that I did? When God was working behind the scene in a better way because I couldn't see how he's going to do it. Didn't mean he wasn't going to do it. But because of opportunities that God gives to us, they don't all come, you know, with full explanations of everything. God can allow a lot of things to happen. I'm driving down the road, going through Ohio, and all of a sudden, bam, scared me to death. I said, Betty, what was that? She turned around. She looked. Just the refrigerator door came off. 
We'd hit some bumps, potholes, chuck holes, you know, and the refrigerator door came off, and the stuff was in the doors all over the floor, and I'm driving down the highway 65, 70 miles an hour. We had to finally get that fixed. We called some places, and they couldn't get us into their shop until maybe a month or two. So we went, the lady, she says, I know a person, a, a place right down the road here. So we went down there, and I drove in there with my motorhome. And the lady says, I'm sorry, but we, we don't have anybody that can come out and look at it. And nothing, nothing's going to work, blah, 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 blah. And I, of course, gave my usual, I appreciate it. I really need your help. And uh, next thing you know, she said, well, I got these two guys right here. They can come out and take a look. They got in their vehicle, and they came down there and they looked at it. And put the door back on, fixed it. Not for long, but it was temporarily fixed. And I says, do you know where you're going when you die? And I led both of the guys to the Lord. Now, is it possible that God in heaven, he doesn't mind it costing me something. We're willing to send money to people across the ocean. But what if it costs you something that you have to get fixed, but it might put you in a place to leave a track or to talk to somebody about their soul? Both of those guys, they would have never heard the gospel if that refrigerator door hadn't fell off. That other guy would have never trusted the Lord if those on and that on hadn't come down. I'm driving down the road, 70 miles an hour, it fell off again. And to this day, it's still off. Must be somebody else i got to talk to. It's back in the back, but the refrigerator door's laying. I'm driving down the road again, and all of a sudden I look up, and we're hitting some more bumpy roads. And all of a sudden I see two screws come falling down out of the, the fan. And all of a sudden, here comes the fan. It's right in front of me. And I got a visor there. And it stops the fan. And I thought, it's going to keep on, but what if it disconnects and wires cross or hits something and lights up my life? You'd be surprised all the things that can go in your mind. And so I had to get that fixed. And my grandson repaired that for me. But it was an opportunity because I wanted to spend a little time with him. And that worked out great. Is God free... To mess up your life for the furtherance of the gospel. For people that might need to see what it's like for somebody to have something happen in their life and you didn't fall apart yourself. So that you can encourage somebody else because it's going to be a rough road from here on in. And the older you get, it does not get easier. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I mean, I did all of my suffering while I was in, in, before I hit 60. Now I don't have any troubles anymore. They're all gone. I didn't make my quota. No, it's not over. Not over till it's over. Look up here. This hand represents you. I love telling this story. You'd be surprised how many people are sharing the gospel because they learned it from my four-minute video. Do you know that little four-minute video has now got almost 340,000 views? 340,000. I just thank the Lord for it. And right now we're close to 3 million views on our YouTube. It's the same person. He just listened a million times. But anyway, this is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us, but he hates our sin. And because we have all sinned, we're all condemned. We're all going to die and be eternally separated from God. So because God loves us, he wants us to go to heaven. You have to be perfect to go to heaven and Nobody qualifies. We've all come short of God's glory, short of God's perfection. So God says you need a Savior. You cannot save yourself. It's not of works. Heaven is not a reward that God gives to you because you worked hard. No one has ever lived good enough to go to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of ours, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And so the only thing he wanted us to do, believe he did it for us. So when you believe he did it for you, he puts that payment to your account. That's how you can say, I know I'm going to heaven because I know I can't go to hell. I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ paid for my sins. All of them, past, present, and future. Let's pray, shall we?
with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ, why not trust Him right now? He loves you. He approved about paying for your sins. And all He wanted you to do is to believe He did it for you. And when you believe He did it for you, He gives you as a free gift eternal life and never cast you out and never lose you. If you're watching by internet, right where you are, quietness of this moment, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I trust Christ as my Savior. I believe He died and paid for my sins so that I wouldn't have to pay for them. And friend, if you'll believe it, God says He'll give you as a free gift eternal life and never cast you out and never lose you. It's the best news in all the world. Father, we thank you again for your blessing. Thank you for all you do for us. We're thankful for this time together. And bless each one for being here. And I pray that these things will be an encouragement as we live in this life so that we can see what is the purpose of the gospel to go into all the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.